it's finally here. The 2022 Qatar World Cup kicks off in less than two weeks' time, and it promises to be a good one. Welcome to the Two Half Show. Hello people and welcome back to this World Cup special of the Two Half Show. Joining me as always is Usama. Usama, how you been my bro? Yeah man, I'm good. How are you? Yeah, not bad, not bad. And joining us back for this special episode is Abdul. Yes bro. And chipping in here and there will be Mahdi. He will be producing this episode for us. How are you doing my guy? You good? Yeah, yeah, I'm good and good to be back. Lovely stuff, lovely stuff. Guys... Uh, we are less than two weeks away from the World Cup kicking off. And uh, honestly, I can't wait for it. So what we are going to be covering today, we'll be going through the groups one by one, talking about each group and the potential contenders coming out of each one. Uh, we will be dedicating a section to Cristiano Ronaldo and Lionel Messi, with this being the final World Cup for both of these greats. Can either of them win it? That'll be something to discuss. We'll be talking through our emerging stars for this World Cup. Who do we think will be someone who emerges and gets a big move potentially or pushes themselves onto the international scene? And we will, of course, finish with our predictions. Abdul, first, I want to quickly get your opinion on the World Cup as a whole. Um, I had an interesting thought earlier on, uh, and I want to get your opinion on it. Do you think the fact that it is being played in the winter could potentially mean the level of football we see uh, could be higher because... Players are in the middle of their season, so they are at peak condition at the moment. It's a difficult one because we've never really seen this type of schedule before. I think the closest we've seen is sort of um, when you look at the Euros, the the recent Euros that we had, which was obviously, you know, post. The the season before, the players had basically played Champions League football up until August, so a week before the, the regular league season started, then they continued to play. And obviously, the, Euro, the season ends at the end of May. Euro starts like mid-June, is yeah, it? Good so comparison, that. It was it was quite close in terms of, you know, really seeing the players play. And I felt the intensity in that tournament was very good. I thought from what I remember, the, the teams come out there, they, they looked like they were on top of their game straight away. It's interesting because obviously the weather's a big thing. Um, how does it affect players in training and so on and so forth. Um, also, coming directly out of, you know, very difficult, congested period. We've seen the amount of injuries that have happened. A lot of players are fatigued. So we don't know. You could get a level of intensity because the players are match ready, but you can also see that injuries and so on. Yeah, I I feel there's been a lot of criticism about it recently, especially from the likes of Jamie Carragher. But I personally think that that, that responsibility, you know, lies in the hands of, of the leagues. I think, it, you know, the Premier League, for example, it was fully in their hands to say, OK, we're going to give everyone a two week break before we get to the World Cup rather than saying, no, we're going to play all the way up until three days before it kicks off kind of thing. Yeah, no, I agree. I think we, you could have easily just adjusted the season around now. The whole topic about whether it should have been held held in Qatar and all of that stuff, that's a topic itself that we don't yeah, really need quite, to dive into. Yeah, it's quite that we've just heard for the last 10 years, so there's no point discussing it. But yeah. if we're talking about what could have been done around that situation that they're in, I think they could have easily adjusted the season to you know give them a three-week break before the World Cup. Uh, to prepare, get the teams and squads together as well. And then extend it at the end of the season. Exactly, and just uh, give the extra three weeks because there is no 
I mean, I think the Nations League usually pops in there. Probably the yeah, Nations and, League. Yeah, and even that, summer. I think it's only the four teams that are under semi-final. Yeah, exactly. So, in it, so it's not. It's again. Not. It's honestly they could have just done that, and it could have helped from that perspective. So let's hope the quality uh, shines through. Of course. So uh, what we'll start. Of course, we'll start with uh, with Group A. Well, Sam, from looking at that group, I think the the obvious team um, and the obvious contender uh, from that group is is the Netherlands of course now managed by Louis van Gaal again after the World Cup uh, in 2014 what are your thoughts on them because I think most people would say that they are um, the favourites in the group to win the group um, but Senegal could could prove a test I've got to agree I've got to think Holland themselves I think they're looking in good shape um, they've got a good manager with a decent playing style I think he's not more suited to attacking play he's more defensive minded but I think in the group they're in, I think it's a, it's an easy walk in the park, except for the game against Senegal. I think you're right in to say that they've won the African Cup of Nations. They look like a strong team. And they've got quality individual players throughout the team. You're looking at the keeper-wise, Mendy, and then you've got Koulibaly, Sa- likes of Sadio Mane, Saar that's playing at Bayern Munich. So they've got a lot of individual players that are quality, but they've shown their team worth within certain cups. And yeah, I think they could do really well. I'm, I'm hoping they do the African cu- countries, but I'm, I'm seeing Holland and Senegal coming out of that group. Yeah, uh, I see I see where you're coming from. Uh, I think S- Senegal could could be one of the surprise packages, potentially, potentially this Dark year. Dark horses, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but, but in terms of uh, Holland, I think there's a couple of star players that we, we quite like in that team. Of um, course. Abdul. Cody Gakpo, of course, is an absolute star at the moment, winning back-to-back uh, Player of the Month awards in the Eredivisie. Uh, again, assisting today um, for MPSV against Ajax. Uh, we might actually mention him in the Emerging Stars uh, section later on, but uh, as a team, do you think that their squad has what it takes to make a run? This Dutch side is its a bit of a weird one because I feel like they're still transitioning from that old side and it feels like it's been a long transition because the period, when you look at you know when Memphis come into the team and a couple of others, um, that team I didn't think held enough weight um, in terms of quality, I don't think it offers In terms of like firepower to blow teams away, kind of. Yeah, exactly. Mm. As a team, as a unit, of course, you had some absolute star players like Virgil van Dijk, Frankie de Jong, um, Donny van de Beek, when he was at Ajax, was an outstanding player as well. He was very key. Um, in the Dutch side, he was always selected. But I feel like with this team, it's one of those teams where you look at them and you really feel like people could be underestimating what they could do because for me, it actually goes down to Van Gaal because as a team, the names aren't really out there, but when you look at the balance of the squad, it's actually very nice. Like you've got, you know, Cody Gakpo, who's currently, you know, firing away. And I'm a massive fan of Cody Gakpo. He's he's someone that can offer you goals, can offer you assists. He can really run the show in, in, in the front line. Bergwijn, I know he's not the biggest name, but he seems to always step it up for the international sides. And that's that's always a key thing for me. So we'll have to see. For me, I think what Holland have to do... Um, is have, you know, maybe less of a defensive approach. I would personally wouldn't turn up with the bank of five, basically, that Van Gaal likes to play. I'd yeah. be more on the front foot because I feel like that's the type of side that they have in terms of on paper that I would prefer to, to see. But overall, even if they do go with a back three, you've got Virgil van Dijk. Yeah, there, there's a lot of potential even in the back three, isn't there? Because yeah. I think you have van Dijk, Julian Timber and uh, De Ligt potentially. And as, they're as all... A back three would be, it would be amazing. I won't say they're all on form, but I'd say they've all had... But they've all had okay patches. Like, obviously, van Dijk's probably in his worst patch a couple of years. But when he's at the best, 
and he's at the top of his game. And it feels like right now, almost when you watch him, sometimes he's pulling out of challenges. Yeah. Is he saving himself for the World Cup? That's a big discussion. I think a lot of players are. Probably, a yeah. lot of players are doing it. Delict as well. The other day, a couple of brilliant games I watched from him. Really yeah, he's actually Ajax stepped delict. it up for Bayern recently because at the start there was question marks, but he stepped it up in the last few weeks. Yeah, he really has. And seen some big performances, one of them being at the new Camp, was it, the other of day? Of course, so yeah, of course. Away to, uh, Timber was more last season, a, a bit unsure with him this season, but mm-hmm. that could be a nice back three. So yeah, maybe yeah. I, I'm, I'm wrong with that. I, th- I think a strong weapon yeah. for them is Dumfries, to be honest with you. I think he's 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 key in their, in their attacking patterns for sure. That's a great point you make, yeah. and that, that's maybe why he plays yeah, the back, uh, back three, yeah. three to, to kind of uh, use him. Um, uh, for me, I do think Holland probably uh, a qualifier is very realistic, especially uh, when you consider who they might play in the round of 16 uh, from Group B. And uh, speaking of Group B, the one on the mind of, of course, England fans. Uh, and it's a very interesting group. I think it's a very, I think it's a more balanced group than a lot of people would say, uh, just because of the limitations that England have because of the manager and so on. Um, do you think that as a lot of people um, are saying that this is a walk in the park for England? Because I, I look at it and I, I truly believe that the USA especially could cause them problems. Um, th- what's weird about this, I've had this conversation with a lot of people like at work and, you know, with friends and stuff. A lot of people have actually said um, the opposite to that, which is like, these teams can cause England a problem. You look at what USA would want to do I mean, I don't know to the extent of what Iran would are capable of. I won't say I'm I an expert. I think they are probably the team that most people expect to finish bottom, to be fair. Yeah, so yeah. Th- I, but then Wales are a team that really live off them big games in the, at the international stage. We've seen what they've done in the Euros in the past, going all the way to the semi-final. Yeah, and I, 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 think, I think you're right, because um, especially when you look at the, the interesting thing with the USA is that... England have never beaten them at the World Cup. They've they've played them twice. They've lost once, and and they drew, of course, in, in two thousand and ten. It's but like their biggest game, isn't it? Exactly. They, they are proper up for it. And Wales, Wales football. is very similar uh, as well. I I do think the one thing for me personally with the USA, I think it's a World Cup too early for their generation. I think they're building that Brilliant team point, yeah. towards when they host it in twenty twenty six. And you look at the 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 group of players; they're all very young and. Uh, for them, making this World Cup was was a big thing in itself. So I think that might be the one sticking point. But Sam, for, for you, what are your thoughts on in England um, and uh, potentially who could come second in this group? I think there's more pressure on Southgate than the actual England squad. I think that's the main aim that yeah England fans are worried about. It's uh, is he going to pick the right players? Is he going to use? Is he going to choose the right system? Is if he's playing three at the back against, let's just say, for example, Iran, it's not the right system to play because look. You've got enough quality players and you're dropping creative players to play these defensive players for Especially for when, when you have a lot of very good attacking players. You think about it. You've got the likes of Madison, Grealish, Bowden, Bellingham. Think about it. Probably two of them will start. Saka, Sterling. Like, yeah, Sterling. It's, yeah, it's, totally. and the thing, it, it's good it's for England. It's a crazy amount of attacking players that are not used. Yeah. Tammy Abraham. It, it's quality for England that to have these attacking options in case someone gets injured. But it, it's pressure on Southgate to choose the right team. And whether he's going to get it right or wrong, I, I don't think he is the right man for England. But we'll see and find out after this World Cup. Yeah, I, I think the fact that... Um, I think the fact that they've gone into this with uh, in a negative spiral, in a way, going winless in a number of games, definitely puts pressure on him. I, I think the difficulty for England in this World Cup compared to the last one is that 
there is no easy path in this one. Like, even if they win the group, they are potentially going to be playing uh, the Netherlands or Senegal in the next round. But then, when once they get to the quarterfinal stage, that's it. There's no easy teams of playing France. Uh, if France, you know, keep winning their but, games, potentially playing France and then uh, potentially Brazil or Argentina later on. So it's it's not going to be an easy one. They don't have that get out of jail kind of. So they they have to perform. There's pressure on them to perform. Yeah, hundred percent. And there's, there's pressure, pressure on Southgate to actually make sure that the team that he chooses performs well. Did they win I, I the group th- for you? I think England could struggle in that group. Uh, like I mentioned. Sam alluded to the whole, you know, when you look at a game against Iran, are you going to play a back three? Those games where England shouldn't be trying to grind out games like that. They should actually be going for the kill. You know, even if you are playing a back three, make sure that you're playing an expansive side. So make sure that your midfield is, you know, make sure that your midfield is maybe Jude Bellingham, Declan Rice. And personally, I'd bring James Madison in the mix. You know, have someone like that. Have a nice balance to it. Don't turn up against an Iran and play a Calvin Phillips, Declan Rice. Those games that you're going to turn into a grind where, you, where you're going to have possession, basically. No, Ra- rather than rather than just seeing it out and winning that game comfortably on a free four nil win, you're going to be struggling with like grinding that game out. Then again, you're losing all that energy and and you're going into the next game and it's just the same football and that takes a lot out of the players. And I think that's what yeah. people don't understand. That, that was a theme in the Euros as well, especially yeah. after that nil nil draw against Scotland in the group. Yeah, and you felt like it could go there, but the, of of course they went along the way and it worked out in the end. But the run was quite easy, wasn't it? Like in the World Cup as well. I think the selection comes out next week, so um, I think that will be when a lot of people kind of will see where where this is going. Group C seems to be quite the straightforward one. We have, of course, Argentina, Saudi Arabia, Mexico, and Poland. Uh, guys, I think it's a clear Argentina win for this group, don't you? Yeah, think? I think yeah, without a doubt, I think they're unbeaten in the last 17 games in terms of the qualifications. Um, I think Messi right now is finally hitting peak form at PSG and he's probably playing in one of the best Argentinian teams that he's played in. I think everyone's suited to play to his style and yeah, you've got quality throughout the team, defensively and offensively. They're looking like a solid team with a really good manager that can push him. I, th- I think you're right. I think Argentina do, do in this one. For me, second is Poland. Um, I think... They have enough to to secure it, especially with the firepower of Lewandowski, who needs to perform after he kind of lets it down in the Euros. But uh, I I don't know if he let it down. Do you think? I, I watched. Do you think it was inspired? I watched. Maybe I'm incorrect, but I watched two of the Poland games, and there was one like was it Spain where he had like a half chance twisted turn and then put it in the top corner, like one of the yeah, big, yeah, yeah. one of the games in the Euros, and it's like the quality of the Polish side, and that's why the rest I don't of the think team. they'll finish second. I think Mexico, for really, me, Mexico could finish second. That's interesting. I know, unless they've leveled up, I think maybe who've they got? Zielinski's really good in midfield. Yeah, yeah, Zielinski. Quality class. player. Um, they play Milik. Matikash, fullback. Matikash has come in. That could be a bit of a boost for them. Yeah. But then again, like as with, a side, with my, my question really mark not. with Mexico is, um, rather than Jimenez, there's question marks about his availability. Number one, but number two, they, they have an aging core of players. Um, I'm not quite sure whether they they have enough energy to, to keep up with the, the teams. They've got a couple of players that have come through over the last couple of years who have been outstanding for me in Europe. Uh, maybe not so stand, outstanding with Hervé Lozano, uh, but Lozano's really stepped it up this season. Yeah, he's, he's probably the best for Napoli. player for sure. Whenever he's got a chance for Napoli this season, he's impressed me. He's got a lot of energy about his game. Just sort of what you want in a World Cup. And I'm pretty sure he did score at the last couple of World Cup. He did, he? yes. In one of the games where he was on the break and, and he did really well. So... 
he could be suited to this sort of tournament, you know, an international tournament, big stage, a lot of space to hit in behind defenses. Um, and the other guy we want to speak about is uh, Edson Alvarez. Is it? A- yes, Ajax. the defensive midfielder. Again, course. defensive midfielder. And there's a couple, again, though, that's a very good point you make. There's a couple old heads. Hector Herrera I've always liked, but he's an old head now, I think. Yeah, Hector Paul Herrera, is, yeah. The defense is, uh, is quite um, aging as well. It is definitely between Mexico and Poland, but I think Argentina clearly win it. And Argentina, for one, Argentina are probably, we would say, uh, the, the joint favorites with Brazil. And, uh, of course, I think... It's quite interesting that the two South American teams, the standout South American teams, are highly favoured in this World Cup. What do you think that's down to, Abdul? Of course, Brazil and Argentina, they're coming in, you know, with a good run of form. I think probably the best amongst, like, the you know, the main nations. I think France, when you look at, you know, the previous World Cup winners, they sort of slack off in the last couple of months. You know, especially like you're looking at those games against Denmark. I think. Do you think it's also because their their squads are kind of coming to a period where they are all reaching their peak, especially the Argentina team. You know, in this case, it's arguably the the best kind of Argentina team that Lionel Messi has had around him. To be fair. Yes, it's a good point you make, and especially the point in terms of Argentina having the right team around Messi now. When you look at the quality in terms of the names in previous years that Argentina have had, they arguably have had better quality on paper. But in terms of what services Messi, and Messi is the level of play, he's the best player of all time. And he's the player that you look to service um, as best as you can do. So I think when you look at this Argentina team, you look at an, a real engine in midfield. You know, ball winners, players that are fighting. Rodrigo you know, Paul. Rodrigo De Paul is the one that stands out for me. Um, you know, when you look at what he did in Copper, he was so impressive. Even De Maria in the front line, he's always got a lot of intensity about his game. And that also speaks about the experience that those teams have. But, you know, for me, in terms of why the, the South American teams have the bigger chance, in my opinion, I feel like it's a bit of a weird one. Let me know what you guys think. But I feel like South American teams have a bit more of a bite on the, inter- on, yeah, the international 100%. stage compared to European teams. When I watch those teams, they play with a lot more intensity. Now, you could debunk that because you're looking at the last teams that have won the World Cup. You know, you're looking at um, France, all, Germany, all France, Germany, Spain, European sides. But Italy. I'm thinking... There hasn't been a South American winner since Brazil in Yeah, South American teams have struggled, to be fair, yeah. in, in those competitions. But I think from those two sides now that we watch Brazil and Argentina... I think we're looking at two sides that have got the balance of experience, quality and aggressiveness and wanting to win. And we're really seeing that between both sides in the Copa yeah. America in the last in the last couple of years. And I'm excited to see because I have a lot of high hopes for Argentina and Brazil. Neymar and Messi, this is the stage where you want to watch them flourish. Yeah. And the young guys in these teams, man, like honestly, even in the defence, oh, Martinez, I'm looking forward yeah. to a Man United fan to watch him. Yeah, we'll, we'll come into Brazil in more detail when we get to their group. And um, uh, like you said, I think Argentina are definitely, definitely winning this one. Uh, moving on to the next group, the group of the holders, France. Now, France have had their issues this, this summer. This yeah. summer and uh, it's, it never seems to be a normal year when, when it comes around to a World Cup for France. There's always drama. This year, of course, we've seen the Pogba and uh, Mbappe drama. We've seen the number of injuries they've got. Uh, and it's not the easiest of groups, especially with Denmark in there as well. Of course, you have Australia and Tunisia there. For you, do you think it's a guarantee that France win this, uh, Osama? Or do you think that Denmark have a chance, of course, making the semi-final of the Euro is what your thoughts? 
Uh, I, th- I think it's going to be a tough group for them to win. I think um, they've played Denmark multiple times throughout the year. And Denmark have actually won a couple of games. Um, they've yeah. kind of sussed them out in the terms of how they play. I think my surprise would be Denmark. I think they could do really well. I think looking at them in the World Cup and the Euros and how far they've progressed in the Euros, I think they've got everything within the team and the manager to actually progress well because they've got players in each position and they've got young talents coming in. I think yeah. France will actually break the voodoo of teams winning the World Cup and then the, ne- the next World Cup, they're not getting out of the group stage. I think yeah, they will that, do that. that's definitely a bit of theme. And yeah. I, I, I can't see them you know, missing out unless we have some 2010 level drama kicking off when they're there. I can't see them not not qualifying from the group. I would not be surprised to see Denmark win the group. Um, yeah. I think especially with um, Tunisia, I think that there's a potential for one of the two big teams to drop points. Sadly, I don't think Australia or Tunisia could make it out of the group. Tunisia have made it to five World Cups, I believe, and they've never made it past, past the, the group, stage, the group yeah. stage. So that's definitely a talking point. With Denmark, it's whether they can keep up their form against France. Like you mentioned, they've played France twice this year in the Nations League and they've beaten them both times. So if Denmark are able to do that, then then they have a chance, of course, of winning the group and giving themselves a, a potentially easier route to, to the quarterfinals and the semifinals. Uh, coming on to Group E, this is arguably, and there's a couple in here, that, especially Group F and H, but th- there's an argument to say that Group E is the most closely contested group uh, in the World um, Cup. Of yeah. course, we have Spain, Germany, um, and then we have Japan and Costa Rica, maybe not as strong, but with Spain and Germany, it's very difficult to, it's very difficult to distinguish between them in terms of who could um, come top. What what are kind of the defining factors for you with Spain? Because in my opinion, I think they've got the best manager at the World Cup. Do you think that's enough of a factor to kind of elevate them as a team? When you look at Luis Enrique, you see a lot of the you know that Pep style. Now I'm not fully comparing him to Pep, but in the start, in terms of the way he plays, I think he wants his side to have a nice level of control, turn the ball over quickly, um, counter-press really well. And I think when you look at what Spain did in the Euros, I was massively, massively impressed. But the squad is really lacking. Yeah, it's... For the first time in a Very long time, young, especially in the midfield. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and they do lack firepower. But for the first time in a very long time, I'm very underwhelmed by the Spanish side. Now, not to say that there aren't quality players in there. When you look at Gavi and Pedri now, you mentioned very young. Very young quality players, but... I'm not going to go in on someone like Alvaro Morata because I actually feel like for Spain, when I've watched in the last couple of years and when you look at the Euros, the goal he got against Italy uh, last year was in the semi-final. Alvaro Morata seems to step up and actually do it. But in terms of the other pieces, now you're always going to have guys like him who aren't the absolute top tier, the elites, but actually step up for their country. When you look across that front line, Ferran Torres, He's not Danny really Olmo, done it. Not really like he either. had some good moments for Spain. I remember that hat-trick against Germany. But when we're talking big competition in terms of making it in the Euros and, and what he's done for Barca in the last like six to 12 months has not been impressive at all. Can't get in the team. Uh, Pablo Sarabia, where is he now? Is it PSG? He's just like a utility he's player. He's a like utility actually. kind of squad player though, isn't he? Um, Carlos uh, Soler, I think. Soler, yeah, he's also a big move. To be fair, uh, Soler, I think he's, with him. he's very good, yeah. I was going to say I'm pretty impressed with him, but then those guys usually aren't the main guys in the Spanish team in the past few years. Those guys are just extra bits in the team. Rodri's solid. Pau Torres is solid. Um, 
I don't know the keeper situation. They got Robert Robert Sanchez. Unai, yeah, Unai, Unai Simon's probably the number one at the moment. Yeah. That, that's what I'm saying. I don't understand. Robert Sanchez, David Rea. I mean, De Gea's given himself a shout with his recent form, especially with but the he sadly hasn't made the 55 man squad for him. He's, but th- but then again, he's not. But that was getting to the point is the fact that they've got such a you know group of goalkeepers that actually play with the ball at their feet very well. And we know what Enrique wants with his goalkeepers. Is he going to accept having someone like David De Gea in there? Um, you know, I'm just looked across the squad and sort of. I mean, I'm talking a bit too much about Spain. I, here, I think I think with I'm Spain, the, with them. the 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 question that they will answer, I feel, in this tournament is the importance of a manager, because if we can see them reach uh, the latter stages, that shows you the impact a good manager like Luis Enrique can have in a team that might not be the best. Um, but has some quality in there. Same with Germany. Now, it's a toss-up for me who wins the group, but Germany, is, it's almost a similar scenario in terms of the the makeup of the squad is uh, it's still quite young. We have, Of course, Leroy Sané is probably arguably their star player. Leroy Sané having his best season, uh, career season, would you agree? Yeah. Probably in the top 10 players in the world, uh, for me, uh, in terms of his performances for Bayern Munich. Uh, he's now injured, but he's expected to return before the end of the group stage, so he'll be at the World Cup. Um, do you think that they can they can challenge for this, or do you think it's a case of building for them? I think for them, they can improve compared to the previous World Cup, where they got knocked out in the group stage. I think them finally allowing Lowe to leave and bringing in Hans Flick, I think it's a really good move for them. I think he plays a really entertaining direct football, where the youngsters are more involved in play as well as you've got the older heads in terms of looking at the Germany team. You've got Kimmich, for example, now. He's an elite starter for the team. You've got Tony Cruz. You've got Gundogan that are there to kind of like nurture the youth as well as kind of excite the fans for what you expect Hansi Flick's football to be. And I think them producing that within the qualification by nine wins and one loss, it shows that they have improved. I think maybe... The only issue that they could have is having Timo Werner getting injured, who's kind of the out-and-out striker that they go to. Yeah, the, the only real, real threat up front, probably. Yeah. In- uh, interesting to speak about Timo Werner. Do you think uh, Yusuf Makoko can get into the team? Because I think there's so a good chance for him to be picked for the squad. Uh, he's playing well this season. Picked for the squad, but genuinely, honestly, like when I look at what he's offered Borussia Dortmund this yeah. season... I would honestly have a look at starting him. Yeah. I mean, he's 17, but when you look at his goal the other day, um, he got a double the he's other day. Twice, one yeah. of them, yeah. One, one of them, though, was impressive moving to the box. Lovely finish. But the one where he's bullied the defender physically, yeah. Yeah. Um, turned him and then left-footed shot. Like, Tab's physicality at that age is impressive. Yeah. Usually we see Very players. Impressive. And there was a header a few weeks ago as well where like he leaps and hangs in the air. And you're like, this is a real striker. And I think if you actually bring a young player to the World Cup at this stage and you just go, there's no pressure. There's no We've got effect, Timo yeah. Werner yeah. injury. It's almost and what they did with the Closer thing. back in the yeah. day. Exactly. And Closer, when you look at his record, most World Cup goals, more than R9, more than Messi, more than Ronaldo, yeah, more 100%. than all these guys, the guys holds the record. If you're, if mm. you're good enough, you're, you're old enough. It's a case of that. And uh, the, there is a lack of strikers, so it would not surprise me. I think Thomas Muller um, was 2010. Was that Thomas, Thomas Muller's breakthrough yeah, as well? 100%. That was his breakthrough. I think Kai Havertz is probably going to be their go-to but it will be interesting to see if Yusuf Makoko can actually. Weirdly, do you think they can that. play off each other? Because they can because Kai Havertz yeah. can easily play the number ten role. Um, I think it depends on the system that they play for. Sure. Yeah. What do you guys think of Leroy Sane? Because when I've looked at Leroy Sane, I the feel scene? like 
he's waiting for this tournament because yeah. in the Champions League, he's done it. He's yeah. like, we've seen him against Barca recently in recent years. Like, this this season generally has probably been Leroy. I think it's probably been Leroy Sané's best best career season so far, especially that the way that he's he started it. He's already you know five goals, two assists, and seven starts in the Bundesliga. Uh, we've seen him, of course, like you mentioned, in the Champions League, performing to a very elite level, four goals and an assist in four games. He's he's putting up the numbers finally, and I think that's what's impressive about him. And I think a lot of people in Germany do regard him as their star man. So it'll be interesting to see if he can replicate that in the World Cup. I really do hope he's back from injury by then for sure. Uh, he's, he's, been, he's been involved in over 20 Champions League goals in the last three seasons. So since joining... Since joining Munich, Bayern, yeah. That is a ridiculous wow. amount of goal contributions. And the best thing with Leroy Sané for me is that he's actually done it against, uh, you know, meaningful sides. Now, I know you'll go, you, a lot of the teams that Bayern have faced in the last couple of years have been quite weak. But I think when I've watched him, even against strong opposition in the Champions League for Bayern Munich, Leroy Sané has really, really, really impressed me. And he's come mm. back from that injury very, very well. I think this is Leroy Sané's big opportunity to show that this is the World Cup stage now I'm going to prove, you know, I've left the Premier League. It's almost that like everyone's forgotten him now that yeah. he left the Premier League. But this is his chance to really yeah, show it. I, I, mm. I think it could be a part of what is an elite season for him. And I look forward to it, to be honest with you. Uh, coming on to Group F, we mentioned how close the, the last group is. I think this group, however, is close throughout. I think I could make an argument for every single team oh, wow. okay. qualifying through from this group. Belgium, of course, coming towards. We've seen a lot of players that reach the apex of their career. Some of them are already kind of on the way down. But you have Kevin De Bruyne, who's in the form of his life at the moment. You have Croatia, who, again, aging, but the quality is still there. We've seen Luka Modric still performing week in, week out for Madrid. Morocco under the new coach, reinvigorated. Hakim Ziyech back in the fold. Uh, got star players all over the pitch as well. And Canada, with a few young names that are up there now uh, and, and performing on the world stage as well. Guys, in, in, this group could really go uh, anywhere, couldn't it? Yeah, I think it's one of them groups where, for example, you've got the likes of Canada and Morocco, like you stated. I think if Belgium or Croatia drop points into there, you expect one of them two lower teams to actually make it through. I think a win and a loss in this group will make a massive difference to the outcome. I think you're right to say this is Belgium's like final shot at actually having some good silver at the World Cup. I think Roberto Martinez has been with the squad for a very long time now. I think he's understood how the team plays and they've got an elite number of players within each position. I think defensively, it's kind of a question as to whether they have the best players. But I think offensively, they've got probably the best team within the group to actually qualify. And I'm I'm hoping that the players actually shine, such like Eden Hazard coming back from injury. He's not been the best of form for the past few years. But hopefully this World Cup could show his talents again. And, and a, lot of, a lot of other players that are uh, performing and on form, such as uh, Trossard and, and so on. I think Belgium, of course, making a semi-final last time out in the World Cup, uh, and they'll be looking to go a step further. For you, Abdullah, in, in Group F, who's the standout other than Belgium? If we assume Belgium either win or go in second, who do you think is the standout from the other three to potentially uh, cause a problem uh, and make it to the next round? I think when you look at Belgium are going to be that standout team, like you say, but they're one of them teams where they usually rampage through the group stage, then they sort of fall off. They always end up with quite a nice group, don't they, in these competitions? Uh, but I mean, Canada, very impressive. Um, they'll, I don't know what's happening. Alfonso Davis got injured the other day, but they'll usually push Alfonso Davis higher up the pitch. Um, you know, your typical international team that, you know, we've seen it with like David Alaba where they move him into midfield, that Austria and stuff like that. 
but they're actually very impressive because you know Jonathan David, a player I've been singing his praises before he'd even touched Liga. He's always impressed me. I love what he's doing. Brilliant, fantastic striker. But they've got more than that for me. You know, when you look at Larin, he's he's actually done very well. I think he's at Club Bruges now. He seems to get the goals for Canada. Um, to always steps up. Uh, when you look at throughout this team, there aren't many standout names in terms of people. You know, Junior Highlight, big throwback to the Premier That's League. That's a throwback, that one, yeah. Rovers and at QPR. Um, and, and, and to be fair with, with them, like it has to be said that they did win the CONCACAF uh, qualification ahead of the US. So there's good shot ahead of the US. Yeah. Sure, 100%. Uh, Morocco is, is an interesting one because Morocco always seemed to flatter to deceive and, and when it comes to the big stage, always seem to underperform. Uh, whether that be in the African Cup of Nations or World Cups. Um, do you think with a, uh, under a new manager that's brought them together now, they have a chance to actually make a run and be a surprise package? Morocco is a very, very interesting one because they're a team that have, we've all known, I think if anyone's kept up with, you know, sort of what's happened with Morocco with Hakim Ziyech um, and Matt Sarawi in terms of, you know, the previous manager and, and the issues that they've had. Now that they've moved on, almost because of those two players, you know, could it be now that they get a team together? They've got serious quality. I mean, if you could look at Ashraf Hakimi, I know Hakim Ziyech has had his problems now at Chelsea, but the international stage is different. When you actually look at the names across the team, I'm quite impressed uh, with what they have. I think when you look at uh, Ilyas Char as well, who plays at QPR, very impressive, 25-year-old, fantastic season now in the championship. We know how difficult and physical that league is. You look at Youssef El Nasseri, um at Sevilla, who's 25 as well. I thought he was a lot older, you know, Youssef El Nasseri. Yeah, I thought he that as well, to be fair. He looks it. He's, mm. He looks older, doesn't he? And it's the first time I've actually noticed that he's, he's a lot younger than he is. But he's a proper, like, sort of number nine. So I really like this team. Uh, Rom- uh, Romain Sias, who's, um, who was at Wolves, who moved to Besiktas. Again, one of them players that at the international stage doesn't look like a big name. But when you've got those little players jotted about who've now got a lot of experience at the top level in the Champions League in the Premier League in the Championship when you bring those te- players together in a team like uh, Morocco I really like what they could do you know what and, and it's like you said there's experience there in the likes of Amrabat and uh, Bono as Adel well Tarat, in goal you know Bono in net yeah the, I, I like this Morocco team this Morocco team could do something there's potential there and I hope it's not a, an example of them kind of not delivering on expectations as well a tight group that, that will go down to, to, to the last game, I'm sure. Uh, coming on to Group G, I know, of course, we talked about Brazil uh, when we came. We talked about kind of the strength of the South American teams. When then you move on to Brazil, that side is honestly, it's, it's perfectly balanced. You've got that excitement that Vinicius Jr. is going to bring with, um, you know, with it being his first World Cup. And now Neymar, Neymar playing that false nine role, a lot of it's kind of centered around him as well. Yeah, and 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 then it's a balance because you've got guys like Richarlison who get in the team that will be hard working and and do all the pressing and stuff like that. But then the free behind him will make things happen. It's a walk in the park for Brazil that group, I think. Uh, Serbia, of course, a good team, Switzerland, Cameroon, but I think that that group is all about who finishes second. And yeah, Cameroon, I don't think this is the year where they're going to perform. They, they just don't seem to have that star quality. But with Serbia and Switzerland, it's almost uh, it's always been a heated game, uh, for the, of course, for the likes of Shaka and Shakiri. But Serbia have an interesting squad because a lot of young players that are, are reaching the apex of their career, especially in the front part of the pitch, 
in terms of Lahovic and Mitrovic, and of course Milinkovic, Savic in midfield as well. Um, they didn't perform as well as a lot of people thought in the Euros. Do you think that they could actually make a splash this year? So Serbia, a quite interesting one because what do they want to do? I mean, Vlahovic and Mitrovic, both prolific strikers. Um, do they want to take the risk? And if it upsets the balance, starting both, do they want to start both? Um, I'm a bit unsure uh, with Serbia. I think, obviously, they lost sort of Matic, that experience. had. I would, I think he retired, but I would have found a way to try and get him involved because I feel like that midfield, in terms of you know having Kostic as the left wing back, who's very experienced at the top level, uh, Tadic ahead of him. Then you can fit in Mitrovic. In the game that you look at recently, it's Norway. Mitrovic and Vlahovic both scoring, so you can fit them in. You can play a two-strike system for sure. You can, but it's about the way they do it. And Milinkovic, Savic in the mix there as well. Um, so I think if they would have had uh, Matic in there, it would have been an extra bit of a positive. But I really do really, really like this... Um, Serbian the, side, the Serbian yeah. side, it's quite impressive to be fair, and I, I think it will be between them and Switzerland. Yeah, it'll be a very nice yeah. group to watch for sure. I think Brazil, Switzerland, are always entertaining one way or the other. I find uh, you're right. Switzerland always give you a nice. There's World either always yeah. goals either for them or against them, and I, I think with Shaka as well performing to a high level this season, that would be something to see for sure. Coming into the final group, another very tightly contested group for sure uh, in Portugal, Ghana, Uruguay, and uh, Korea Republic. Of course, we'll come on to the Ronaldo part of Portugal in the next section. But another team that has a group of young players that are coming to the fore in many positions, especially in the midfield and the forward area, Bernardo Silva and Bruno Fernandes, they're key players uh, in that midfield. Ghana, you have a lot of players who have switched allegiance to Ghana, the likes of Inaki Williams, Tariq Lampati, uh, uh, Salisu, of course, um, choosing them. So they've got another core of players as well. And... With Uruguay, more experienced uh, in that point of view. Osama, for you, that group, as tight as it is, who do you think your favourite is to win it? I think without a doubt, I have to stick to Portugal. I think it's probably the best teams that they've had in years. And you've got to say this is probably the better team than they had within the Euros that they won. I think they've got a lot of quality players throughout the pitch, top to bottom. Look at defensively, they've got the likes of Cancelo that can bomb forward. And then you've got the likes of Ruben Diaz that can kind of lead and demand the team to improve and develop. And it's a lot of City players, I think, that are kind of at the core of the team, of the core of the 11, with the likes of Bernardo Silva as well. Like you said, I think Bruno Fernandes and Cristiano, they've got a lot of quality players throughout the pitch and you've got the likes of even Rafael Leao, who's having an outstanding season with AC Milan, improving from what he's done last season. So I think they've got the best squad in terms of the whole group. Um, I think it will be a really good entertaining match between Uruguay and Ghana um, after what happened in that grudge match that they had a couple of course that's a big couple point of World Cups ago yeah so um, I think it'll be a really interesting group um, like beforehand and I think yeah it's a straight walk in the park for Portugal Ooh, I, I don't know if it's a walk in the park and Abdullah I want to get your opinion on, on back on Portugal because me and you agree on, on their manager Santos but with Uruguay, they have probably one of the most informed players in the world right now in Fede Valverde. How he performs is, I think, where he goes, Uruguay goes uh, in that group. Korea Republic, two stars, Kim Jamin and Heung Son in that team probably will, will give them a good chance, but the rest of the team might not have it. But Santos Abdul, does he, how, how badly does he hold Portugal back? I think Santos, I've never hidden my opinion on him. Um... He did a brilliant job in 2016. 
as weird as it was, the way that they went through all the way to the final, Portugal yeah. and then the way they won it. But for me, Santos is a manager who, like Southgate, again, comparing the fact that a lot of situations Portugal are put in where they're grinding results, where they shouldn't be grinding results, Portugal should be comfortably, you know, wiping the floor with some of these teams that they face. When you look at the Euros last year, that was a good time to get rid of him. The Euros, the World Cup before that, the World Cup when they went out to Uruguay, they weren't impressive at all in the World Cup. And I feel like one of his biggest downfalls, Santos, is always wanting to play a double heavy defensive double pivot. Now, what he actually did and tinkered with in the last few games, to be fair, I quite liked. He brought Ruben Neves into play deeper in midfield alongside, you know, a Carvalho, which brings a bit more balance than what he usually likes doing with like Danilo and Carvalho, which is a bit too heavy because you've got two guys in the middle who can move like a truck. Basically, you can't move the ball quick enough. You were too slow. So I don't know. For me, I feel like this uh, Portuguese team. I think can... I think a midfield three of Paulinho, Bruno Fernandes and Bernardo Silva is what they have to do, to be honest. I like that. And the, the other fact is Bernardo Silva, for me, the last three, four, five Portugal games I've probably watched. I watch quite a lot of Portugal. There are some of my international team favourites all the time in terms of wanting to watch them and enjoy them. Um, I feel like Bernardo Silva's not impressed me at all. Um in the last few games for Portugal. I really, 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 really like Bernardo Silva. And I remember the Confederations Cup a few years ago where the guy genuinely looked like he was like reborn Messi. Like he looked absolutely insane, taking players on, making things happen. But again, that goes down to the fact that Santos is playing players out of position. He's not playing players where they should be playing. When Bernardo's playing on the right wing for Portugal, he's not playing on the right wing, coming inside and creating and making things happen and taking his man on. He's actually holding the touchline, which is very ineffective for a player like Bernardo Silva. It almost reminds me of, you know, when Juan Mata started losing his legs for Manchester United and you start seeing him out on the touchline, you're like, he's very ineffective. He needs there more runners him around him kind of thing. Exactly. And when you've got him so far wide and he's not got the runners, it becomes a problem. Yeah, he needs to be kind of the focal point of the midfield and creating and uh, receiving the ball in important areas. I fully agree. Uh, yeah. um, it'll be interesting to see how, how they kind of do as a whole. And, it kind of nicely brings us on to the next part, and, and it is that this World Cup will be the final goodbye on the world stage for the, the two greatest players ever ever to live. Of course, there's a different opinion in the room. Uh, Mahdi and uh, Abdullah believe Messi. Myself, I believe Ronaldo. Um, but either way you lean, it is the final goodbye for both. And um, like we mentioned, both arguably have the best teams they've ever had around them. But with, with Messi... Of course, the one who's playing the better of the two, the younger of the two, uh, the team more built around him. It, it definitely is a, a last hurrah for him and a last chance for him to win the World Cup. What do you think this, this World Cup could mean for their legacies? Because I'm, I'm of a, a different opinion to most people. I think their legacies are confirmed, whatever happens. Uh, I don't think people are going to change their opinion at this stage of their career one way or the other. I don't think anyone's going to flip from Ronaldo to Messi, uh, depending on what happens. But... What do you think it could mean for for their their, their careers and, and their legacies and so on, depending on how they do? I think what we need is an Argentina, we've all said it before, Argentina-Portugal World Cup final. And ironically, 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 if they perfect. both win their groups, it could genuinely be a if Portugal, only, if only Portugal final. If only Portugal didn't have Santos, man, because I have no <laughs> trust in that man leading them to a final. 
Um, but no, it is like listen, banter aside about you know them reaching the final and stuff and facing each other. What they've done in the game is absolutely brilliant, and I think I can't take anything away um, from Ronaldo as much as you know with what's happening recently with him at Man United. And we're looking at Messi as well, rejuvenated the season. I felt like last season he looked a bit depressed, looked down. He didn't look up for it because of, you know, having to move from Barca. Madi saying he was on a holiday last <laughs> season. It honestly felt like that because this season he's playing out of his mind again. And you know what? As much as I'm a Manchester United fan, and honestly, one of the reasons I got into football and enjoyed it from when Cristiano was young and at Manchester United with that old Vodafone kit, he was the guy that got me proper loving the game and enjoying it taking him, his man on and, you know, when then when he moved to Madrid, scoring more goals and changing his game. Messi is someone who just brings you joy watching the game of football. There is no doubt about that for me. And I think when Messi's in the kind of form that he is, playing like he is for PSG right now, as a football fan, you just got to sit there and enjoy it. And I'd love both of them to have a big tournament. Um, Messi's got a big chance to stop fight against Saudi Arabia. I wouldn't That's be against like, I'd love that. I'd be a he's funny arguably one. Got the easier of the... It's funny how you can rack up goals because... You know, like Ronaldo scored. Do you know what? Like, I'll be, I'll be. Oh, to, be fair, to be fair, to Spain, Messi in, in in previous World Cups where he potentially, you know, could have stat padded. He's actually been the the difference. I, I remember a couple of World Cups ago in in a game against Iran where you're you're playing Iran, you should walk that as Argentina, and he came up with a with a goal in the Bosnia last minute as well. I think yeah, was yeah, as well that one as well, Bosnia as well. To be fair, it, it swings and roundabouts, and I I think Argent Argentina, in my opinion, will probably go further, but. Portugal potentially have an easier route if they win the round of 16. They could probably make a semi-final. So uh, it will be interesting to see how far how far they get. Sam, for you, who do you think it, it would matter most to a win uh, at the World Cup? Who do you think it would matter most? Who do you think it would matter more to Messi or Ronaldo? I think for Messi, this is like his biggest thing that he has to win. I think Copa America is not really kind of regarded as like a big international stage a big international cup for players to actually win. I think a lot of Brazilian players have actually won it, but they've not really gassed it up or like really compared it as to it being one of the best international trophies they've won. I think every player knows a World Cup is their ultimate dream to win. And I think Messi deep down, even though he might not say it, would would actually show that this is his to show. But I think for us as neutrals or fans of both, I think it's a massive thing to see both of them play in the final World Cup. Ideally, you want one of them to win it because whichever one wins it, you can just say that he's won something over the other uh, in regards to like one final thing that it will go down in history as who's better. And you can say one's won the World Cup, one hasn't. Yeah, it will add to, to, to the legacy to either of either legacy, of yeah. them. It, it probably doesn't take away from it. But I think, I think, you know, me as a Ronaldo fan, sadly, but the, the reality is Argentina have always kind of had better teams around Messi than Portugal have had around Ronaldo. And but, but this is the strongest Portugal team. And this team. is the strongest Portugal team and so the strongest Argentina does, team yeah. as well. And uh, and Mardi mentioned this earlier, but I, I truly believe that as good as Ronaldo has been, and like I said, in my opinion, he's the greatest of all time, I do think this version of Ronaldo is potentially a hindrance on Portugal. We, yeah. saw, we saw in the Nations League, um, the game that we watched in the Nations League, how the fans were almost booing him and asking for him to get substituted because... They have a lot of options uh, in that striker position. So I, I yeah. think if they win it, and he, I do think that his game is probably more suited to the international game anyway. And he's always going to raise his game for, for big moments. I think, I think you're right in that point where he is more suited to international and more tournament-based games. Because within the World Cup, you can't have teams sit back and just soak up pressure and either get a draw. 
that's not going to work out. They need to actually win. And obviously when they're pushing and trying to play more attacking football or trying to get a goal in, this is where Portugal can counter-attack and they've got Ronaldo in that. No, I think for international stage like the World Cup, I think the teams tend to be more cagey yeah. than being offensive, to be fair. I think it's the other way around where peop- where teams are a bit more conservative in their approach because they'd rather uh, not score but not concede rather than score and maybe concede more. I, I would tend to agree with you, Madi, but... I think the one reason why Osama might have a point is that how how close that the the group is. No, I mean like in general international football in the yeah, World yeah. Cup, the teams tend to be more cagey than. Oh yeah, hundred uh, percent. I think I think I do I do agree with you on that one. Um, but I, I, think I, I think either way, I think it, it it's it's a big legacy moment for both of them because it is the final goodbye. And Messi, of course, has been has been to to a final already. Uh, so for him, it, it, he's more used to the path there, and I think that can definitely play a role. And arguably, the semi-final that we could have on our hands is big because uh, going with the predictors that everyone's doing online at the moment, if if both Brazil and Argentina win their groups, we would have a Brazil-Argentina showdown in the semi-final, and and what a game that would be, um, especially given the 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 South American uh, teams facing each other uh, is always a fun. Fun time in the World Cup. Uh, coming to our next section, our penultimate section, we will be covering something that happens in every every World Cup, and that is who will be the emerging star of this World Cup? Who will be the player that will be on the lips of many in the January transfer window asking for their club to sign him? Of course, we've seen every World Cup have that one player that comes out with an elevated status. Uh, of course, going back to uh, 2014, Hamas Rodriguez, one of the best examples. Guys, I've asked you to, to, to have a think about this one yeah. beforehand. Uh, and, and listen, the name that you give, someone else might end up taking it. So, of course, have a couple in your mind. But yeah. um, I want to start with Abdullah. Abdullah, for you, who do you have your eye on as someone that could uh, be an emerging star in this you World know Cup? For me, it'd be hard not to go for Cody Gakpo. I mean, in the summer, me and you um, were chatting about Cody Gakpo, weren't we? And I was telling you, bro, this guy... When he was linked to Man United, I really, really liked the, you know, the way he was coming into the box and finishing because he had to start in a lot of wider positions, as we've seen this year. Now, he's hit, pretty sure now, he's over 25 goal contributions um, this season wow. already, which is absolutely Insane, incredible. Yeah. Um, uh, especially when you, when you consider United to have signed, of course, someone like Anthony. And, and Cody Gakpo's already overtaken his output in, what, like two months and... He's won back-to-back player of the month in the Eredivisie, nine goals and 12 assists. That's what's impressive for me about him. His hold-up play is, is amazing. Yeah, his general play is great, and then his finishing is absolutely fantastic. And don't get me wrong, there's a lot to his game that still needs adjusting and sometimes doesn't look the cleanest on the eye. But he is someone that I really, really look forward to watching in the World Cup. Now, there's a lot of other players, young players, that of course you guys will get onto. But for me, I just wanted to go with him because I think he's done it already this season. And I feel like he, because of the form that Cody Gakpo's, um, you know, coming in with from what he's done over 25 goal contributions, like I mentioned for PS, PSV, if he can bring in that form and, you know, that momentum into the World Cup, then that could really elevate him to the next level and get him that move in January. Uh, because of the price tag that we're talking about now is over 25 mil. Apparently that's been reported. So that is nothing for a player that can contribute that much. 
even if he can bring in half your goal contribution. So that's a big chance for him to show, you know what, Man United, you should have pulled out that extra bit of money and it'll bring even uh, other clubs to put their eyes on uh, Cody Gakpo. Uh, and I think uh, PSV are, are licking their lips at the, you know, uh, the opportunity to have a star like him shine at the World Cup. And, and in a group that he will be able to kind of put numbers up in, um, I, I'm really looking forward to see how his game translates. I think uh, we've seen Dutch stars perform amazingly well at World Cups before Memphis Depay in 2014 jumps to mind. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm very, very impressed with him this season and I think he's definitely someone to look out for. Osama, who have you got? I think I've got a few. I think the the main one that sticks in my mind, um, even though he's already talked about right now, would have to be Jude Bellingham. I think he's probably one of the best upcoming English youth players that are making into a scene. I think at the age of 19, he showed such maturity for someone that young. And in not just in the Bundesliga, but also in the Champions League, where he's coming and he showed that. And I think even captain in Dortmund at one specific game, he's just gone to show that for someone that young, he has, he's taken a lot on, on board for him. And his output, as well as offensively, as defensively, is, is really good. Um, you see the numbers that he's put up in the Champions League already. I think he's, won, he's scored three goals uh, in all back-to-back group stage games. And the only player that's done more so is Erling Haaland. And for someone so young, even though he's already highly rated, I think this is where it's a time for people that have not maybe watched enough Bundesliga or watched him within the Champions League. It's his status is going to go even higher now, and and it's scra- scary to see what his price tag will be during the summer. Yeah, I, I think the the biggest point is how Southgate will utilize him. I think a lot of people seem to misprofile him and and think he's they see him scoring goals and he's added that goal scoring element to his game yeah. this season. I, I think he's a number ten. He's not. He's he plays he's a, a box to deeper box. role exactly yeah. and. And I think a good point that you mentioned is the importance of the defensive side of his game. He's so good at that. And I really hope that he gets the opportunity to show that. I think the issue for me is I do not trust Southgate to yeah, to, to, that's the only to choose him. Abdullah, I know you, you're, a, you're a fan of Bellingham. Do you think that Southgate will give him the opportunity to, to shine? Or do you think he's going to end up going with you know the double pivot of uh, Rice, Phillips, or two defensive midfielders? I think for me, Jude Bellingham um, is an absolutely incredible talent. He's he's really, really leveled up his game since moving to Borussia Dortmund. We've already seen how combative he was at uh, Birmingham City in the championship to be that physical, to be a ball winner, to make things happen. But what he's actually provided so far for Borussia Dortmund is that midfield has been lacking. He's had different partners, you know, from Axel Witzel, who's now moved on to, you know, um, Dawood and a couple of other players. He's always, you know, sort of found himself in that team being the key member and taking responsibility and even captaining the team on a couple of occasions at Borussia Dortmund. And he's added that part of his game where he's breaking into the box, you know, finding the back of the net when he's making that last run into the box. And he's he's added that little bit of extra to his game. So he's someone that has to start for me. He's a ball winner. He's a ball progressor. He can make things happen, you know, you know, re- arriving into the area, like I said. So I think... Gareth Southgate will be making a huge mistake if he isn't starting Jude Bellingham at this World Cup. Um, again, I think we mentioned he, uh, he can early. definitely be a key part of that that England progression in terms of the, from the midfield to to the final third for sure. For sure, and it's who he who he partners him with as well because Declan Rice, Jude Bellingham could work, but I want to see Jude Bellingham and James Madison ahead of Declan Rice. I feel like playing Jude Bellingham in almost like Yori Tillemans' role um, as a high eight, where you know you just let him 
you know, do his thing. You know that he's going to be high energy. You know that he's going to turn the ball over for you. You can trust him in that aspect that he's always going to put 110% in. So I think it's about how he uses him. Of course, I don't expect Southgate to do that. I expect Southgate to probably go with your good old Calvin Phillips, Declan Rice double pivot. And I do get that on some occasions it could work and you want to be a bit more secure against certain side, maybe face a Brazil or something down the line. But for me, come on, man, when you're facing Iran, USA, yeah, even anyone in that group... Let's try and express, express ourselves. And you want to be expressing yourself, man. And I think that's what Southgate's got to do with his team. And Jude Bellingham is sort of the prime example of where we'll see Southgate wants, you know, do you want to yeah. take a bit of a risk? And it's not even a risk. He'll man. be he'll be the example of it. Jude's and got it all. Yeah, 100%. And I think the, the three-man midfield idea you said, you know, you're almost forced into playing a back four if you do that. And, and that's that's the problem I, I see with him. I think we just have to, we can't move on without mentioning Jamal Musiala. Musiala is an absolutely wonderful player. Um, I think Jamal Musiala, over the last two seasons, has been one of Bayern Munich's best players, which says a lot. And this season, arguably their best in patches. I think if you ask Bayern fans a month or two into the season, now Leroy Sané and Nabri have found some form, but some serious form. When you would have asked Bayern fans who's been your best player, they would have probably said Jamal Musiala. And I think what Jamal Musiala gives you is someone who understands space so well. Uh, you know, in that almost Muller-esque way where... Yeah, I always feel like he's, he's the heir to the Muller yeah, role. Yeah, he's a perfect replacement. Yeah, he's, he's, he summed it up, he's almost like the heir yeah. to the Muller role, isn't it? Because he, he gets into areas where he sees the space to hit and progress the team, um, but is also so good in tight spaces. But he's got this elegance as well on the run where he's not the strongest. Like, physically, he's a bit like that Neymar build where... And he's got nice twinkly feet. Sometimes he can beat a player. He looks quite flary, looks like looks quite nice. So he is someone who's got such an all-round game that you just want to watch what he does now at the big stage um, and I'm I'm really 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 looking forward to watching someone like Jamal Musiala at this World Cup and hopefully with this Germany team really needing a bit of a spark from what I've recently watched from them hopefully like I mentioned earlier with Yusuf Makayoko and, um, and Jamal Musiala those guys can be the young leading stars for this Germany side. It's almost like the uh, the 2010 uh, World Cup for, for Muller with Musiala I think uh, if he can definitely, uh, like you said, he's he's already been performing. It's not even a question of can he can he start performing. He's already doing it for one of the biggest teams in the world, and uh, that's hundred percent a player that that we should look look out for uh, in this World Cup. I think there's another two that I think you have to give a shout out to. Uh, would have to be Pedri and Gavi. First team starts for Barcelona at a really young age, but I think them two will kind of tear up the World Cup stage itself in terms of showcasing their skills and what they're really about um, as they have done in La Liga. 100%. And, and they are definitely the, the driving force for that Spanish team, of course. Um, guys, as we, as we kind of get to the end of this preview, we get to the most interesting bit, and that is our predictions for the World Cup. I wanna, I wanna, let's start it with the, with, the, with the kind of the less positive ones and, and get more positive as we go along. So I want to know who you think could be potentially the disappointment of this World Cup because we've seen of course every World Cup there's at least one team that lets you down in the last World Cup it was Germany of course um, before that we we saw uh, Spain go out in the groups and it always seems to be kind of the holders I can't see France disappointing too much but but who do you have as, as kind of your potential disappointment Ooh. it's very difficult to, to maintain it because it's always a surprise when it happens this one's gonna hurt because I'm gonna say my team team that I love and it's Portugal 
Ooh. I hate yeah. I hate the fact that I'm gonna say this, but I think he could I hope I'm wrong. I hope I am wrong, but I think Portugal might disappoint in the World Cup. I think we're coming towards that stage now where it's like they've had two opportunities in two past tournaments to move on from Santos. I think the writing's been on the wall with him and they've not made the decision. Can he now turn around and maybe adjust slightly to an improvement? Um, Ooh, that's a, that's a rogue one, bro. Because yeah. it's quite difficult, I know. It's, but I think it's, it's, it's always going to be one of the good teams, of course. Mm. Yeah. You would say France because it's typical, like you hold us. Yeah. Fall out but I, to be honest, they'd have too much quality. But they, that, mm. like, that group isn't frightening enough for them to no. mark. They might come second after Denmark. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Denmark have a chance for on that group. Sam, who's your potential disappointment? I think for me, uh, I'd have to probably say Belgium. I think it's a weird shout. Um, but I think it's just the group is so tight that a- any draw or loss could affect whichever team going through. And I think having the likes of Morocco, Croatia and Canada in that group, there's not much expectations on them to actually make it through. Whereas there's a lot of pressure on Belgium because they've been kind of like a tight-knit group for a while and the managers kind of come up with them. Uh, whether he gets it right on the day, I think the only issue I keep saying with Belgium is that defensively, they're not the best. They've and still got that ageing defence that, yeah. well, that were partnered alongside Vincent Company a few years ago. And it's like your Jan Vertonghen's and, and Alderweireld's. I don't see anyone and Denier and, and things like that. And they, they, they don't have kind of the quality that some other teams have. They've not had anyone really come through. And I think the other issue that Belgium really have is, you know, that over-reliance probably on Kevin De Bruyne because Kevin De yeah. Bruyne is an absolutely magnificent player. But then Eden Hazard. Eden Hazard's a weird one because mm. we know what his form has been for Real Madrid, okay? But yeah. how many players do we see that are just out of the picture for their club that um, just turn up for the international side? But yeah, Belgium's a, a very solid yeah, child. That, that, that's, that's a good one. I think especially that's with nice the aging group. nature, mm. that's, a, that's a good one. Guys, I'm going to go for one that... Not a lot of people are going to like, and I'm going to say England. <laughs> I'm, not yeah, surprised, I'm not surprised. I'm, I'm not surprised, to be fair. I'll be honest. For me, there's already question marks about the group. I think the quality of Wales would mean that England end up going through. I, don't, I just don't think Wales have what it takes, but I just don't... Th- because, of the, because of the fact that they do not have a easy run after this group, like they had in, in previous World Cups, I think, for me, that, that signals uh, red flags. And... I already question if they are able to win that group. Like I mentioned before, they've never beaten the USA. Now, of course, that's at some point that's going to change. But if the USA can can make England drop points, I I think there's a very good chance with the dynamic of the group for for England to be the disappointment. And so guys, if I was to change it up and uh, say who you think your surprise of the World Cup would be, of course, this is Ghana 2010, for example. Who would you have? I think for me, I wouldn't really regard them as a surprise package. I think. I'd love for Senegal to go really far. I think they've kind of shown their experience and their quality within winning the African Cup of Nations. And I think they've got a really good group where I think they can get a lot of confidence in getting some wins in and maybe push forward past the round of 16. I think they've got a lot of quality players in terms of individual players. I, I want them to go further than the quarterfinals, but I think for me, they're probably the go-to. Yeah, I, I think they have it in them to beat who would be the the winner or the runner-up from Group B, to be fair. So yeah. it wouldn't surprise me to find them in a call. And that's a very good shot. I was, I was, I'm not going to lie. I was looking at that uh, and, and thinking it could be them. I'm going to go with Serbia. And I... Yo, you, you just... Yo, listen, this guy, I can't lie. You're on my phone right now because I've been thinking Serbia, bro. I've even been looking at their record. Bro, they're Serbia. I, they're talking to me right now. 
This team, there's something about them. Vlahovic, Mitrovic, right <laughs> in the, the middle of the... the nines, bro. The nine era, bro. Them two as your number nines. Oi, it could be listen. game over for the whole of the world, man. <laughs> listen, Just listen. swinging in balls oh into my. them two. Wow. Forget it, man. They're winning wow. the World Cup. Do, do Serbia, know, man. Do you know where it is? Do you know where it is with Serbia, yeah. right? Do you know what, what the, the stands out for me? And, and and I'm not going to lie. I feel like a bit of an idiot because I did say they were going to be the Dark Horses in the Euros and they flopped. But like you said, bro, it's the strikers. I can't get past the strikers. I just love the fact that they 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 are kind of the, the, the set up the way they are. And they, they've just got quality. Listen, Milinkovic-Savic for me moves me so much as well. I think if they could get uh, a good draw in the round of 16, we could see them making a run for sure. Um, right, who do we think is going to be the top scorer of the World Cup in 2022? Oh, that's actually a really good one. I think a lot of this comes down to the groups, I'll be honest. If yeah. you can stat pad a bit. It could be Mbappe or... Maybe Kareem Benzema because they're a relatively easy group and um, they've they've scored before. So uh, we, I think the the French strikers is a good shout. I think Mbappe definitely has has an, uh, a chance if he manages to kind of improve on the finishing that he did in the Euros when Pogba was playing in balls for fun. Um, I think he could definitely be a shout. To be honest with you, I was I was gonna go with Mbappe. I'll be honest, he kind of took my idea there. But yeah, I, I think Mbappe might end up being um, the the, the, the top goal scorer. I think if they manage to make a semi-final, which I think they will, um, I think he's got enough games in there to... to and, I, you know, I'm one of these who doesn't yet consider him to be the top three players in the world or, or what some people kind of consider him to be. But I do think that he'll he'll manage to score a lot of goals in that French team. For me... I think there's two. I think Hurricane can actually do really well. I think you're playing against the likes of Iran. Um, ideally, and you probably see Hurricane scoring the majority of their goals. I think if they do get a lot of penalties, he's kind of their go-to. But I think another name I would probably give a shout-out to. I think not many people would have thought about it, but I think Memphis Depay. Kind of an easier group um, compared to England. Memphis. Crazy enough, though, Holland, Steven Bergvan, when I've watched him recently, uh. is the guy that gets the goals. Yeah, to, uh, to be fair, he's got the past two, I think, uh, for them to win through. Uh, but I think, yeah, I think I probably named them two as my, my big shots. I think Kane as the go-to and Memphis as probably like the kind of dark horse for it. Uh, Abdul, who have you got for potentially? Because uh, me and you, hashtag number nine, backers. Really, who you feeling? really, really want to back up for number nine. Finding it hard. I think when I look at that group, I have a feeling Messi could go off this World Cup, man. I don't know why it is, but like, in terms of I goal scoring, I think in terms of uh, creating, 100%, but goal scoring. Yeah, but I think, I think, I actually think goal scoring, I think this World Cup could be the World Cup where he goes off in terms of finding the back of the net. I feel like Messi um, is coming in with that momentum and I feel like he looks different this season. Like, yeah. he looks like he's been warming up for this World Cup and I think he wants it all. I think he wants the goals, the creativity, the dominating on the ball, doing everything and we could see a different animal with Messi, which is already a scary prospect. If Messi even just levels up a bit more to what he's been doing at PSG, I think Messi's going to finish as the top scorer. If we, if we, and I think you're probably going to use the same player for this next one. Do you think that Messi, if he does kind of lead Argentina far, either to a semi-final or a final, and even get the top goal scorer, it would end up with him being the player of the tournament as well? Yeah, of course, yeah. No doubt, no doubt. Interesting. I, I, for me, player of the tournament, I think, in my opinion... Controversial one, in my opinion, the best player in the world right now. Um, 
Kevin De Bruyne. I think Belgium making a run would be down to him. I, I think Kevin De Bruyne is a fantastic shout for player of the tournament. I think when you look at this Belgium team, you mentioned it perfectly, Damasab. Um, I feel like if there is anything to happen for this Belgian team in this tournament, it'd have to be Kevin De Bruyne. And man, this guy, for me, is a, I'm a Manchester United fan and I've seen some fantastic players, but for me, he's the best Premier League midfielder, hands down, that I've ever seen. The guy's an engine. He's well, got a final ball. It's a weird it's thing that this season I've noticed in his game, and, and that is the engine, that is the running around that he, he maybe didn't have to do before, but he's added... It's the Pep effect, man. I think yeah. Pep likes that counter-pressing, that quickly winning the ball back, um, turning the ball over. And I think he's turned Kevin De Bruyne into the most important player in this Manchester City team. And he's bring, he's going to hopefully bring that into the World Cup because he's a wonderful player to watch. And I want to see him top of his game. Um, the question is, is whether Eden Hazard, whether those other players in the Belgium side step up. I think, uh, I've, I've got to just say something. I think uh, Lukaku... I think this is a big pressure for him now. I think he's saving himself for the World Cup. Yeah, bro, I haven't yeah. seen that brother he, has not played this season. I have yeah, not seen him. I, 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 I came back I, for he, one game, scored in the Champions League, and called it a day. I think he's got similar attributes in terms of the power and strength that Haaland has, and maybe he kind of can benefit De Bruyne in terms of whipping the balls in, knowing forward that you've got someone with that big presence to actually get at the end of the ball. I think the main one it has to be a star player, Neymar. Oh my lord! This season, oh, I like that shout. I think he's been—it's probably one of his best starts to his season in terms of being in the La Liga. I think the numbers that he's come through are ridiculous for him, and I think it's kind of now maybe because of the Mbappe saga that has happened throughout the summer, or it's just him turning the screw, thinking, okay, this is time for me to kind of show the world who I am. I think this is his World Cup, and he's got probably one of the best Brazilian teams in the past five five or six years to kind of show that. And I think being the captain and the leader uh, with Thiago Silva, I think would kind of go to show this could be his World Cup to actually win something for Brazil. I like I like that name of shout for sure. Uh, I, I can't wait to see him in this World Cup. Like you said, it's probably one of his better seasons so far. Um, guys, coming on to the big one. Who do you think wins the 2000? And 22 World Cup. Abdullah. I don't think I've spoken enough about this guy. I have not spoken enough about this guy on this show. I want Neymar to be on that podium picking up that World Cup. Yo, this bro, is you know what's funny? Brazil. You've just yes. taken... Uh, guys, do you know what it is? And I think it is a good end to it because... You uh, said that, Brazil, and me and Osama just reacted to that because you I think both we both were going to say that. Yeah, it doesn't matter. We're all picking the same one, but yeah. do you know what it is, bro? Football. Let's, pr let's bring football back. Joga Benito, baby. Hey, listen, I want to see Anthony smack one in top corner. <laughs> World Cup semi-final. I don't know why I picked semi-final instead of final, but I don't know. I, I guess Argentina. That's yeah. Argentina, yes. Anthony. That's my guy, man. Oh, wait, wait, let's see what Madi said. Yeah, so, yeah. We've had three agreements here on Brazil. Who, who do you have, Madi? Messi, bro. Uh, I think the world deserves to see Messi lifting a World Cup. I think Argentina have a very good chance. For me, I'll be honest with you. I agree with the the other two guys. Yeah. I think this has Brazil written all over it. I'll be honest with you. I think Neymar is going to take this World Cup personally. Yeah. I think he's shown. I think the reason why he started this season the way he has is because that the World Cup is is this season. He has almost a point to prove, and I personally think a Brazil winning this World Cup. We know that the World Cup plays the biggest part in a Ballon d'Or 
when it yeah. when it happens to be in 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 the year um, that it's relevant to. I think Neymar winning the World Cup with Brazil gets him the Ballon d'Or that he he deserves, deserves. in my opinion yeah. or, or yeah. for the last decade of his career. Um, and 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 let's you know, it's not no accident. The last non-European team to win it was Brazil. I, it doesn't surprise me if Brazil get their sixth World Cup uh, I think in Qatar. What's crazy with Brazil is that they have both the experience and the youth to actually win that. And yeah, I think they've got everything in each position to kind of push for the World Cup. And, and you know what? Shout out to the United Brazil contingent as well. Casemiro, Fred, Anthony coming back with that World yeah, Cup. Do you get man. me? Um, but yeah, a, a good way to end it. I think as they are both the favourites, we've we've seen a split here in Brazil and Argentina. But guys, we know how World Cups are. There's always going to be surprises, twists and turns and... We can't wait for it to all kick off in under two weeks' time. Of course, we'll be increasing the number of our shows during the World Cup. We'll be giving you the World Cup schedule that we'll be coming to you with uh, as everything kicks off in Qatar. Guys, thank you so much for joining me uh, for this evening. Uh, thank you, Abdullah. It's been a pleasure as always, man. Uh, and thanks to someone for joining me again for this. Yeah, it's been a pleasure, man. Uh, thank you very much, guys, of course. And be sure to like, subscribe uh, and share. Thank you again. Uh, and until next time, keep it locked. <laughs>